Uh, my name's Carol Branson, otherwise known as the Odd Job Girl, <laughs> and I make whimsy ponderable art. What? I yeah. feel like every time I give someone the opening to tell me what they do, whatever they tell me is way more interesting. Would you please describe to me the definition in your mind of whimsy ponderable <laughs> art? Yeah, whimsy ponderable art. A friend of mine, Tracy Davies, came up with this word um, because my work has been described as whimsical. And she said, yeah, it's whimsical, but it's deeper than that. And I said, well, what would that word be? And so she said, let me think about it. And she came up with whimsy ponderable. And so I love the word because um, my stuff is very whimsical. I love bright colors. I like, um, you know, silly stuff, whimsical stuff, but it also has a deeper message to it. So that's that's where whimsy ponderable came from. Before, I want to ask you so many things, but I am curious because whimsy pon ponderable sounds just like it feels welcoming and kind and open. And so much of art that is produced, especially modern art, either has a very strong political message or a very strong existential message, or it's extremely abstract. So it leans heavy on the ponderable and not so much on the whimsy. So you probably came up seeing all those abstract, ponderable, existential, heavy freighted stuff. So why do you think when you started making art, was it always like, did it, was it always lighter and less abrasive and I don't know, kinder? I don't know. I think so. I mean, it's always been more on the whimsical side and then, you know, little, little pieces of life started inserting themselves into it and i was like well that's okay I, i'm i'm digging this idea and so it's just kind of developed that way and yeah if there's something on my mind like so many artists you know if there's something on our mind it's going to come out in song in word in you know on paper whatever it's just going to kind of come out and present itself that way so i think it's it's it's, it's also been my way of processing things um I kind of, I looked at your entire gallery on your website and I totally get the whimsy and the ponderable. The stuff didn't feel, a lot of it didn't feel sorrowful. It didn't even feel, um, there's like, there's a wonderful, like nostalgic ruminating about the past. It didn't even feel like that. If there were things that felt like they were old, it still felt like, I don't know, friendly old. So do you feel like when you work on the art, is there usually one emotion you feel while you're working on it or could it just run the gamut and then you don't know what's going to come out and then how people respond to it? Well, yeah, it can run the gamut. I know that I've had some stuff that I was angry when I made it. And I mean, <laughs> it came out as anger and it was like, here's the message and here it's angry. And somebody's like, I love this, you know, and I'm like, well, whatever message you get from it, that's great. And um, I had a piece where, you know, sometimes my mind thinks of thinks of it differently than the than the viewer. And that's fine. You know, everybody can draw their own conclusion. But like one piece, I wrote the word love. And I don't know if you saw that piece or not. And then I shattered it right in the middle of it. And a lot of people thought it was sad, you know, shattered love. And I said, well, what if that love shatters everything else that you've ever known? What if it's that kind of shattering, you know, and so it can go different ways. Do you, do, when you make these things, do you feel like, so there was an emotion, you felt anger when you made a piece, 
do you usually have something you are trying to relay through the art or you sort of sit down with your own emotions at the art and whatever comes out, comes out? I get ideas sometimes. And so I'll, I'll have to write them down really quickly so that I, I'll remember that idea or I'll, I'll hear a phrase or I'll see a color or something. And I just think I want to use that. I'm not sure how I want to use that yet, but I want to use that. And then later it will present itself. And sometimes I'll have an idea of how I want it to go. And then it just presents itself in a different way. And so, um, I mean, in the end result, I'm happy with it. Um, but sometimes I fight and get it to be what I want it to be. And other times I let it take control and it becomes what it wants to be. And um, I make those those hats. I doodle on hats as well. And yeah. those, I have to be in total silence. I have somebody you know, they're all, most of them are commissioned and, and people just give me an idea or a phrase or a theme or something. And so I just sit in silence and just kind of let the ideas come and I make them with Sharpie. So there's no erasing. So it kind of helps me, you know, in a life lesson of if, if something goes awry, you have to just breathe and adapt you know and so that's kind of how that's that's been helpful that's been fun do you ever so i'm so you do use in some cases there's painting and you use physical pieces of media so i want to ask about that but those hats do you ever start on a hat and then you talk about this need for kind of silence and focus if you get distracted or you don't like the way it works do you sort of the way painters do where you're like painting over it painting through it or do you do you ever have to just like chuck the hat and start again so far, knocking on wood, I've never had to chuck a hat and start it again. Um, it will, it will morph sometimes into something if um, if I can't quite get what I'm looking for. But yeah, I sometimes I, I do what I call um, I put them in timeout and I just I walk away from it, and then I come back to it later and uh, and you know get a clear a clear head with it. But yeah, sometimes it has to morph into something else and and. Um, but it's fun. It's fun. It's try to. It's it's fun to try to adapt to whatever happens. So I I read through your bio on on the website. So I encountered your art first. It was it's in the lobby of a local house of worship, and I just thought, especially I like the three dimensional. So what you call upcycling. So your stuff that's so found objects of one kind or another you wind up using, and also three dimensional. So things are up on the wall, but there's you know. I, I forget what it, but I feel like skateboard and objects just sort of coming out at you. And I, I like the look of that. So wh where did that upcycling come from? When did you start deciding to like use these found objects and incorporate them? I think from, from childhood, I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of money. And so I think that it was just fun to find things that we had, you know, because I wasn't going to be able to buy a lot of art supplies. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I dig through, my grandma Mimi, uh, we called her Mimi, I dig through Mimi's garage and she'd have, you know, odds and ends of this or that. And, oh, I can use that in something. And so, so that's where that came out about. And, um, and that's been a lot of fun. How, so at that time, when you're, when you're talking about that, how, how old are you? When did you first, as you think back, when did you first think or remember first making art and it just, uh, maybe just when you started and then I don't know, maybe when it felt important, you decided this is something I really do want to do with more and more of my time. When did that happen? 
Ah, uh, when I was pretty young, I'm probably seven or something. I mean, my folks got divorced when I was eight. And so okay. I think that was something, you know, I could turn to was, was art and, um, keep my mind busy and keep me happy. But I do remember at one point I was in art class and, um, and I made a, made something and the teacher scribbled on it in ink pen and I took it home and I was devastated because I thought this is, this is my art. How could you ink pen up my art like a spelling test, you know? And so, <laughs> and my mom was so kind and she's, she said, you know, yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to deal with that. You don't have to, you don't have to let that influence you. You go ahead and make your art however you want to make your art. So that was, that was a real positive thing. And so, um, and then in, uh, I guess it was sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade, um, I had a watercolor painting um, win some award where it hung in the mayor's office. Yeah. So that was kind of like, wow, okay, well, maybe I'm okay at this. Maybe this is something. So that, that felt really good. What was what was your path from there? So we're thinking about elementary, middle school, into high school. How much of your was art? Did you decide this is a career path for me, or was it still just like this is a thing I do naturally? I don't even think about it. Art just I use it as therapy. I use it to think. I, it's just fun to do, and I'm not thinking about I'm going to be an artist. Yeah, it was totally just fun. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't. I I knew the reality of trying to support yourself as an artist. Um, but I, of course, then I went into theater, which, you know, is, is another art form that doesn't always pay off. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I, 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 it was always fun. It was just always, uh, I guess, I mean, I want to say an escape, but it was a place to escape too. And I really enjoyed it. And I always have. And, um, and I think, not having it my my main income is is super helpful to keep that passion was there something so making physical media with your hands and, and making physical art like that is different than theater is there a reason theater sort of as you got older drew you in and made you think this i mean they're both hard paths but theater what was it about that compelled you more well, and I went into technical theater, so that's still working with your hands and light. That's and true. So, but I mean, I, I, I was drawn to my, my mom took me to a play. I believe it was Annie Get Your Gun was the first play I ever went to. And I was just, you know, taken in. I mean, yeah. the lights, the costumes, the set, I mean, everything, the, the music, I just loved it. And I said, I need to be part of this. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where people say it doesn't, you don't choose it, it chooses you. And so I felt a call toward theater. And so I took acting classes and I had fun, but it just wasn't, it didn't seem like me. I thought this isn't, this isn't so much me. And then a friend of mine um, introduced me to technical theater. And I said, well, this looks more like me. And so that's when that started. And that was in high school. And then, um, you know, other things happened in high school. I came out as a, as a gay person. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so the theater department and the, and the art department were not um, scary places. Whereas, you know, in high school, that's hard for everybody. And for a kid that's just coming out, um, I came out 
the the year the summer before my or I was outed, which is different. Um, the summer before my freshman year, so high school was tough. But I mean, high school is tough for everybody, but it was tough for me for that reason. And Wait, so, yeah. So sorry, did you come out or were you outed? I was outed. Um, yeah, my my girlfriend and I were caught kissing, and um, by her little sister, and her little sister told her mom, and so you know, the adults did what they thought was the right thing to do and spread the word that we were not to see each other. Well, the, the word got out too much. And so, um, you know, it was, it was not easy. The students found out and, and, you know, some students weren't as open-minded as others. Do you think your, your, uh, mom or dad would have responded differently if you were if you had been found at you know that freshman time kissing a boy some people wig out about people even dating or doing that stuff early do you think that was an issue or strictly they probably or they did tell you they would have been okay with it if it wasn't another girl you were kissing yeah they told me very clearly that it would have been okay if it were it would have been a boy so yeah they even kind of encouraged that to happen what it that so how close at that time how close were you to this person and was that a ultimately as you look back was that a was the huge trauma that you were torn from this person or really that was just kind of you know sort of puppy love stuff and it was really the fact that the parents responded so badly um we were we were best friends and so oh. i think that in my mind this was where this path was going but in her mind i think she just she wanted to get closer to her friend, you know, and okay. so both of our paths went different ways. I mean, she she ended up getting married to a man and having kids and, um, you know, we're still Facebook friends. Everything's still good. But I think it was just a time of discovery for both of us. Uh, what how did your did your art change at all at that? time? So before that, you were working on art, you were thinking about theater, you were doing these things. What changed in high school for you? Because you were out again, outed, uh, you know, against your will at that time. What did that what were those four years like? Well, that might have been when a lot of the um, the more passionate stuff came out the, okay. the maybe the maybe the angrier stuff um <laughs> it was it was an angry time for me i mean i look back on it now and i remember the good stuff you know i can remember oh yeah there were some nice people in high school but at the time it seemed like everybody was against me and it was so difficult and i ended up uh, moving out of my parents home um the summer before my senior year so i finished high school not living with my parents, living on my own. Um, there was quite a bit of anger involved and, uh, you know, but I was, I was in my senior year, so I took mostly theater and art classes, but um, there was a bit of satisfaction when one of the, when the, when the school would say, well, you need a, a parental, uh, you know, signature for this. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to get that. <laughs> I don't live with them that, you know, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing high school and that's, that's where we are. So yeah. did they, did they have workarounds for that? Did you have to like go get emancipated or anything? No. And I'm not really sure how it, how it happened. <laughs> how you they know? let you I do mean, it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but this was, this was the time before we had um, metal detectors in schools. And I remember, you know, somebody I was dating at the time in high school 
that didn't go to that high school was able to just come in and have lunch with me at the high school. And so I think it was looser and I'm not sure how we were able to do that, but, um, but yeah, I was able to just do my own thing and finish high school without, without parental assistance. What was it about the theater department, the arts? Was it, was it just typically people who are a little more countercultural people who are outside of the norm um, or was there something, what about that place made that more, that made that friendlier to you in your high school time and, you know, maybe led you to, again, made it friendlier to you? I think it was because it was kind of a place where I knew gay men were. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't finding any gay women places, but I was finding the gay men. And so I thought, well, these are my people. And so I found my people there in the theater department and, um, and had a whole lot of fun, you know, it was, and, and it was a, it was a, a place where we could be, um, you know, the impromptu of it all. I enjoyed the, um, impromptu classes when I took acting classes. Those were my favorite of just making a story and making up things. And, um, and that was fun, you know, maybe, you know, putting on a different disguise. That was nice too, you know? Um, when you say you've like kind of moved into the technical theater parts, is it just because it matched your skills more? Was there a point at which you realized I'm not having as much fun as at the acting part as other people, uh, or I'm not going to get good enough to be able to compete with these people? How come it felt like one over the other? I think it was just, yeah, more, I've just always been um, good at building things, making things. And so I think it was just, I knew that that was going to come more naturally, more natural to me. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the acting part, but but I loved the spontaneity of improv. improv. I loved the spontaneity of improv. Um, and I just, yeah, when it, like in college, I went on to college and, and majored in technical theater and we had to take, um, you know, the, the acting students mm -hmm. had to take tech classes and the tech students had to take acting classes, which was brilliant. So we could all know what each other was up against. Right. And, um, and I just, I was like, how do you guys remember all these lines? That was my <laughs> like, problem, yeah. yeah. So see, you understand. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, I just thought, no, let's, let's go back to the improv. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, have you kind of kept that, you know, I feel like improv comedy popped up. Did you find yourself going, oh, maybe I want to go take some of those improv comedy classes. Did you do any of that? I did not. No, I, I figured I'd leave all that to the professionals. I mean, I, I have so much respect for, for people that I've worked with in the past and, um, you know, the acting people. And uh, yeah, I just, I totally feel like the technical theater was, was more my, my place. So you mentioned that, you know, you kind of remembering, wow, I got that award and they put, they put, they put my watercolor up in the mayor's office throughout the years. Did your, did your parents, family, friends, was everybody always supportive of your art? So you had a rift with people because, you know, you got, and were you clear when you got, when you got out of, do you feel like I was already clear that I have a, I'm, I have a gay identity. I know who I am. I know this is what I want. Or did you sort of get out at a time where you weren't sure what you're doing or exactly what you felt? Well, I, I was pretty sure. Okay. But, but, you know, I mean, I had crushes on guys too. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, a lot of times people are on a continuum and, you know, there's, we're somewhere in the middle and I had a, I had a few crushes on guys and they never amounted to anything, but 
Um, but I was pretty sure, but my folks sent me to Ozark Christian Counseling. And so oh, yeah. I thought, well, this is, yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. Um, except it was across the street from a donut place. So we got to get donuts afterwards. That was the only good part. But the guy, the, the therapist did say, leave your options open. And I thought, well, that's, I can, I can hold on to that. Um, I can, I can understand that. He didn't try to talk me out of it. He didn't, um, you know, he did some things that were kind of weird, but, um, but the, but the thing that the main takeaway, I guess, is what, um, what he said was, was to keep your options open. And so, so that was okay. But, um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty much sure that was, that was my path. Did you envision or fantasize before that or after that about a way you would have rather it happen? So were you really angry about how it happened or were you mostly just angry about the, the aftermath? I guess how it happened. I mean, I, I was planning on coming out at some point. I, yeah, I do remember in junior high, um, you know, knowing that I was different. And then I finally found out that the word was gay and I'm yeah. like, Oh my gosh, it's a thing. <laughs> like I'm not as big of a freak as I think I am. It's a thing. And so I was so excited to know that I was, you know, what was going on. It's like, Oh, I'm gay. That's all. It's a, it, everything's going to be fine. And then I realized if I wanted to tell anybody, this was what jokes were made of. And I'm like, oh no, they make fun of gay people. So this is scary again. And so that's where that was. And so then I, I had to just, you know, stay closeted and stay, stay hidden with it. But, um, but I do remember the moment I remember, or the moment I realized what that term was and what it meant to me. And that was kind of refreshing. And so I figured in time, I would be able to tell people but I would have told them in a different way. And, uh, and, you know, my, my parents did the best they could, but, um, it was painful. It was a really painful time. Do you feel like you had conversations with either of them or both of them later where you figured out whether they were, they were really judgmental about it, or they were mostly worried about what that meant for you? And so trying to push you away from it because they're worried about you or just, they didn't also didn't like that choice. Um, I think a little bit of both. Um, my mom, uh, like I said, my folks were divorced and my mom had remarried. Well, my dad had remarried too, but um, uh, I guess not yet. He was getting ready to remarry. But anyway, my mom was getting her master's degree. And so she went the route of interviewing me as a gay person. So it was it was how she could understand it you know she wrote a paper on it so that was how she could understand it and so i mean and it was it was tough it was tough because she didn't want me to be gay i i was their only kid and so i think they felt a little what did i do wrong how could i have prevented this kind of thing and yeah. so they didn't realize that it's it's just a thing it's okay and um and so she she came to grips with it, I think, a different way than my father did. My father has always been pretty strong in the church. And so that was a factor. You know, he was he was afraid on that respect of the religious part of it. Yeah. And um, so he went a different route. And since then, I mean, this was when I was 12. And so 
since then, um, they've both become very supportive and, you know, they have their, their hiccups when they, when they've said, you know, well, this is, this is, are you sure or something, you know, but, but, you know, yeah. now they're, now they're, now they're very supportive and, and very kind and, and, uh, I'm, I'm really thankful. Okay. So let I, and I also wanted to ask almost the same question for your art. A lot of artists sometimes feel they're told, I mean, when you talked about the, um, uh, the career possibilities for visual art, you're like, well, I know it's hard. Some parents try to talk their kids out of art. Some kids are encouraged when they're young, but then they're always told, no, you got to have another path too. You can do this on the side. This is a waste of time. Did you get a lot of positive or negative as you were growing up into your young adulthood about spending time doing art or theater or something that seems less viable than CPA and marketer? Exactly. Yeah. I think that they would have both enjoyed that. I had a real job <laughs> quote unquote. Real right. Job, yeah. Yes. And so, um, so that was tough, but I mean, I, I was a, a stage manager and a technical director at a theater. So that was, you know, it's like, I was getting a paycheck. I was hands-on. I was yeah. doing things, but they didn't see how much stress there was behind that. And so um, I said, "Yeah, I'm I'm doing this, but it's not exactly what I want." And so um, I had to find that that middle ground of what I wanted and a real job kind of thing. And I think that you know, honestly, you know, still it's hard for them. Um, to, to see anything that's not, like you said, a CPA or something like that as a, as a real job, as you know, the arts. But I, you know, as long as I have something that's bringing in money, I think that they're, they're supportive on the, on the arts front. So they're just like, as long as you can pay the bills and you're okay, we're just worried about you as long as you have something. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What do people I don't know, maybe now, what do people think about your art? It is, it is sometimes it's a hard slog out there to make stuff. And then to put it out in public is another thing. And then to put it out in public and sell it, it just, it's all fraught with all this self, you know, self doubt and, and frustration. And so what are your feelings about what, do, what do people think about your art? How do you feel about the art? Um, you know, I've been really lucky that people have enjoyed it and, um, one of my favorite things if if i'm doing a show is if people come up and tell me what emotion it evokes in them they'll say like oh my like i have one one sculpture that is an old bucket yeah uh, in front of some barn wood with this screen that looks like water going in a, in a, in the bucket and out of the bucket. And so people will come in and tell me that their grandma had a bucket like that, or I'm like, that's where I got mine. And so, you know, and different emotions. I had um, a piece that had some musical music notes, colorful music notes on barbed wire, and it lit up. A lot of my art has um, lights within it that lights it. From, yeah, I was from just within. about to say that that bucket one you're talking about. I just saw that, and again, so I saw the one unlit, but then lit. It's just looks really cool. Oh, thank you, thank you. And so, you know, different different emotions that are you know brought up by those things, and and the um, the music notes on the barbed wire. I needed a name for it, so I stuck it on Facebook, and I said, you know, what would you call this? And so many people 
had so many different ideas and some were political, some were um, gay themed, some were, you know, um, music themed. I mean, it was just, it went all over the place and it was really, it was really fun to see what emotions those, you know, my, my stuff brings out. I think that that's fun. Do you make the art, do you talk about commissions? How does it feel either making, sitting down by yourself to make something kind of for yourself and not thinking about what's going to happen to it when it's done and then making things for other people for pay? How have you felt through the years that thing about, do I want to earn my whole living from making art and selling it to people? Because I think that's a hard, eventually if you have to serve the market like that, sometimes people struggle with that. How have you thought about it? Yeah, that's, that is tough. That is tough. Um, like I said, with the hats, you know, I, I get a theme, um, some different things that that um, something uh, that that somebody really cares about, and then I'll yeah. make a hat out of it. And I, I always tell people, I I I get to have a lot of artistic license. I would like to have a whole lot of artistic license. Um, and so just recently, um, I, a woman said, I, I love this, but I want it this way. I mean, you know, with, with a whole lot of room for artistic license. And so um, we chatted on the phone a little bit. Uh, she gave me a title of a book that she wants to write. And mm -hmm. she said, this is what I want it this is, this is what I want. And so I'd started doodling some stuff and I said, I have it. This is, this is what I want to do. And so I explained it to her and she was very happy with the outcome. But I think the big thing is having enough artistic license that it's fun for me, but enough input from the person that it feels very um, personal to them, you know? So it's, it's like they helped make it. But yeah, if somebody says, well, I want this there, and then can you move this two inches over? I, I don't, oh no, I don't think so. <laughs> so like, as if, I, cause I can imagine, obviously with the technical theater stuff, you're working with your hands, but I know I've, so in publishing, I've worked a lot with designers and some designers more than others get aggravated with too much input from other people because they feel like the more the things, the more we move these things around, the more you change every little thing, well, it's not my thing anymore. And so I see people on a spectrum where do you kind of place yourself? Do you, it's gotta be my thing. Yes, you can give me some input, but it's still gotta be my thing versus, it sounds like you don't wanna be, tell me, you just tell me what you want and I'll deliver that to you exactly. Yeah, I can't do that. At <laughs> least, at least not at this point, you know? Okay. I mean, I just, I mean, I might be able to, but for me, it really helps to have a lot of artistic license and, um, if somebody just gives me like a theme or an idea um, and I can kind of run with it and, you know, and if they don't like it, then I think that even like with this last woman that I worked with, I thought, I like what I just did. This came out nice. I'm happy with this. If she doesn't like it, somebody will. And um, <laughs> so, and I mean, I enjoy after I make something, I stick it on my own wall for a while until it, goes to a new home. And so I enjoyed looking at that piece for a week or so until I delivered it to her. But yeah, I really like to have the artistic license. Um, and I mean, I've designed in the past, I designed a t-shirt logo for somebody and I okay. did have to, so that was, that was all them, but it was, but I knew that going in, it's like, okay, I'm just here to 
put it on paper for you. I'm here to put your ideas on paper. And so I think my mindset was different. It wasn't my art that was going on there. I mean, ultimately it was my art going on there, but it was, I was just kind of the channel of them, you know? So I, I just had to change my mindset. Um, the, the last moments of your life, if somebody came along and said at some last accounting and said, Okay, pick out your the one piece of is there a one piece of artwork you've made that either you refused to sell because it was too emotional you were too emotionally attached to it or something you just really love it just calls to you or is it just kind of the making of the art that's the thing so there's certain things that are in your history that just like you just can't part with or just have such strong and a specific strong memory like your favorite piece of art you've made. I don't know. I mean, I enjoy them. And I, I keep them for a while and then I'm happy to let them go to a new home. I mean, it's it's kind of fun to see somebody enjoy the piece. You know, they like it so much that they want to have it. It's yeah. like, oh, well, cool. That's that's great. Now, I may not be ready to part with it for a week, a month, a year, two years. I don't know. Um, like I, I still have some stuff that's, that's not for sale, but one, one piece that's, yeah. uh, the music note with the little heart, um, and it lights up its led lights. Um, and I use it upstage on a curtain on a, uh, a stage that I design lights for, for mm -hmm. a women's music festival. And it's really kind of fun with the other lights and it's neat looking upstage of the, um, of the performers. It just kind of adds to it. And so I haven't sold it because I like to use it. So it's just, it's more functional. Did you ever find, so when you went through, you did theater stuff in college and you got out, it is, it is sometimes a hard slog to make a living in any fashion of the art world. Um, and so did you have, did you have like sort of nine to five or other non-art jobs that sort of funded your art stuff? Or were you able to kind of make that your living? How have you balanced that through the years? Um, right out of college, I popped into professional theater. So I was hey, all right. technical. Yeah, I was very lucky. I worked as a technical director and stage manager um, at the same time at times. And then backstage person, stage person. Um, and as you know, it's never a nine to five. It's it's uh, all the time. You know, you get Mondays yeah. off and, and it's... Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty tough, but you know, we love it for some reason or another. And, uh, so then I thought I needed a break from that. So I went to get a real job and, <laughs> and worked for a gas company for a while. And that kind of appealed to my, you know, building things, you know, building gas meters and, and, and answering questions over, over the phone for people that were having a, gas leak or something and so it was interesting but ultimately it didn't feed that artistic side of me and so i did that for four years and then i popped back into theater again and so um and right now i'm working for a tree company and so that's kind of fun because it's totally unrelated and um it's a good workout and then i can have time to do my art and uh and still fix things on the side, you know, as the odd job girl. What has the pandemic been like for you as an artist the past couple of years? Um, I, I 
worked a lot. I enjoyed, okay. I, I mean, I enjoyed the time of solitude where I could work. And I think it also brought up a lot of emotions of loneliness, um, of fear, of love, of finding new paths. And so all that stuff was presented itself in my art the last few years. And, um, and it was hard to find art supplies. I mean, you can ask any artist that was, everybody wanted to do art because we couldn't do anything else. And so- Even art, online with stuff yeah. that you normally use was just, it was all gone. Yeah, art yeah. supplies were, were in high demand. And so I thought, well, again, I will use with, I will use <laughs> what I have. So, you know, I'm like, well, let's see what we can do. And um, I think the hardest part was if an artist wants a color, you know, we want a specific color and there are certain paints that won't mix to that color. So you have to get a different, you have to get that color itself. You can't mix it. And so that was kind of frustrating. But, um, but other than that, you know, it was, it, it was kind of okay. I mean, but the, but the emotions of fear and loneliness and, and that kind of thing did present itself. Did you, so during these two years, you have not, because the one thing that happened, I, I know I talked to somebody who was uh, working in theater during the pandemic, <clears throat> obviously everything died. So if you actively had a job in theater, it went to zero. So it sounds like these two years, you just didn't happen. Were you a, was this a time when you were technical theater, stage director stuff or no? No, I okay. was, I was really lucky. I had started with the tree company before that. And so we shut down for a little bit, but we kept working. We were working outside and we just made concessions of only one person in a truck and yeah. we kept on working. So I was really, really lucky, super lucky. Why do you, I, I think you, do you, are there many, many reasons you make art and do you spend a lot of time sitting around thinking about why am I an artist? Why do I make art? I don't know when you're sitting and frustrated with something, do you ask yourself this or it just seems, again, it just seems natural. It kind of seems natural. Um, if something doesn't seem like it's working out, I'll go do something else. You know, I'll, I, uh, I, I take Spanish classes on Friday mm -hmm. mornings. And so I'll go work on my Spanish. I'll go do something else. I'll go take a walk. And, uh, and so eventually the art will come back around and it'll be okay. But again, I don't have to make my living at it. I think that's the tough thing. And, you know, I'd rather not try to keep up a website and, and price things and <laughs> promote myself and all that stuff, but it's part of it. And so I do my best, but yeah, just, just, making stuff. I just, it's, it's a, it's therapy for me. Was there a time in your trajectory when you entertained the thought and then put some effort into, I'm going to be an artist. And then just as you've said, fine, I'm going to do the marketing and the self-promotion. I'm going to push to get my stuff out in as many places as possible. I'm going to try to talk to the right people. Did that ever appeal to you? Do you ever have a dream? I'm just going to be a full-time, this kind of artist. Yeah. After I had been at the gas company for a few years, I decided I was going to save up enough money and, and be a full-time artist. Okay. And so at the time there wasn't a whole lot of computer stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of promotion that way, or I didn't know how to do it. Sure. And so I was trying to get my name out there and it just, I kept hitting roadblocks and a friend of mine said, um, 
are you looking for work? And I said, yeah, I just need something in the meantime before I get out there in the art world. And she said, my folks need their house painted. So, okay. And then jobs kept coming up and I just kept doing odd jobs. And then somebody said, we need a, um, an invoice on your company letterhead. And I'm like, okay, give me a sec. And that's how the odd job girl came about. I'm ask like, about oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it just kind of developed. And I mean, I am, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the universe pointing me in the right path and, and presenting things. And so that just kind of happened. And so I thought, well, that's, this is great. And so for 20 years, I was the odd job girl and, uh, and still a little bit, but, um, you know, my body has, has told me that I need to lessen up on that a little bit, but, but yeah, so that's, that's how that kind of happened. And, and then, so the art kind of was put on hold or at least more for pleasure again. And then, um, a few years ago, some things opened up where I was able to get into some different galleries and some different things and, um, fringe and, and some different, um, shows. And so that's been a lot of fun. And, and again, the universe has just kind of given me a path. And so I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed that and meeting new people. That's been good. Have you ever, um, I suspect you, you pursued technical theater, obviously you worked at it so much. You must've had to work hard to get good at certain things you weren't good at. Does the visual art stuff, is it a little looser less difficult that way? I mean, have you ever been trying to add something to your technique or trying to do something and it's just impossible and you realize this is going to be months to try to figure out how to do this thing. And then you're just like, well, I just don't care. How do you pursue that? Um, I think I just try to figure a different way or I'll ask people, you know, if there are other people that have a technique um, or something that, um, that I would like to learn, then I'm, I'm all about learning something. And I don't want anybody to give me the, the recipe to their secret sauce by sure. any means, but, um, but it's kind of fun to, ch to share ideas. I have other artists that will get together and, uh, and just say, Hey, what are you working on right now? And, Oh my gosh, what are you, what are you doing here? And what are you doing there? And, and then we'll ask, well, what do you think about my piece? What do you think could be added. And so it's kind of fun to bounce ideas off of each other. And you get that input from somebody else that's not doing the same art that you're doing, but they can give you objective input. And then, um, then you build on that energy of creative, the creative process. And that's kind of fun. That's a lot of fun. Okay. Now, cause I love to just ask the, the other side of that. You, you mentioned, Hey, I go to people, I get some objective criticism from them. They give me some suggestions for stuff. Oh, you could do this. You could try that. Obviously other criticism is either you take it, it, it hurts because it gets close to something. I know I'm bad at that. And this person just zoned right in on the thing I'm bad at, <laughs> or, or they don't like this kind of art. So they give you 500 words out of their mouth in the moment about how your kind of art sucks. And uh, they might do it in the most professional way. So how, when, can you think of a time, has that happened and how do you deal with it? Yeah, that can be, that can be painful. Definitely that can be painful. But I mean, ultimately we just have to remember why, at least I have to remember, why do I make art? I make art because it has to come out. It's, it's just something that has to come out of me. And so I enjoy it and I need to stick to that. But yeah, if somebody says, I'm just not really into your stuff. It's like, okay, well, 
that's okay. And, and, and that's all right. And that's okay, but it, it can hurt. And especially if they say, I don't like your stuff because of, I'm like, no, I got it the first time. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, but yeah, it, it can be painful. Um, but, but I have to just try to remember why I do it. And then, and then I can sort my feelings out a little bit better. Did you ever, especially maybe when you were thinking about, I really want to make this a full-time thing. Did you start sort of trying to find the right critics, the right local art school people, the right artists so that you could move into the industry? I feel like so the top level art industry is ridiculously rarefied and it's all about what happens to be popular. And it's all about, I don't know, rich people spending money on things they don't really get, but someone else says it's great. So they spend a bunch of money on it. That's like the high level. But I still feel like people everywhere in the art world are trying to sift themselves into some spot where your art finds the person who likes it. So did you spend, try to spend any time doing that where I know what I make and then how the heck am I going to find the right people who also like this? It is tough. It's trying to get what you make into the, into the right hands. I think, um, yeah, I just have to have people that dig my style to find my, to find my stuff. And so, yeah, that's, it's tough. Um, Fringe helped me because it was just out at Union Station. And, and that's so, like the Fringe Festival. I feel like they do, there's um, tons of sort of quote unquote alternative visual arts, alternative theater stuff. It does. It seems like it seems like there's less, less um, conformity. And so yeah. you can just, you can be a little bit more loose with your style. And so I enjoyed meeting the other artists at the Fringe Festival. Um, you know, we didn't have to be there the whole time, obviously, but they encouraged us to be there when we could. And so we would chat with each other and, and it, that was a lot of fun. And, um, and what was neat is since it wasn't at a gallery, it was at Union Station. And so people that may have not gone out of their way to see art yeah. were there. And so they're like, hey, I might like art after all. And, and I like this person's art and I like this person's, but that person, not so much, but, you know, so you, you had a bunch to choose from, which was kind of fun. And so I feel like all of us were able to be seen by somebody that could relate to our stuff. And I actually met my pen pal who lives in El Salvador um, through the Fringe Festival. She was in the United States. She was in Kansas city visiting and she reached out to me later and said, I like your stuff. She says, my English is not very good. And I said, hey, I'm taking Spanish. So we have been, that's one of the things from the pandemic is I've, I've developed a pen pal. And so, um, but, you know, she wouldn't have seen my stuff. And, and other people that were just passing through, I had a few phone calls saying, I am getting ready to get on a train right now. I love this piece how can I buy it and take it with me? I'm like, wow, that's, that's great. And then Fringe also set up the artists in different locations after that, like at a library or, you know, these different places, but yeah, it's still a struggle to try to find the the people that like my style. I just need to find them. And I feel like I'm finding a few. And, and so that's helping. Did you, so I, well, I I'm fascinated. I wanted, I wanted, I want to dig for the pain. My, I'm only curious about the pain point. I asked about that criticism thing because 
in the art world, um, people, it's hard because it, I think it feels, if you don't have the right mindset, which it sounds like maybe you did have the right mindset, especially you went for technical theater, you came right out, you were in the arts instantly. I, a lot of artists have very painful origin stories. And when they get into the art world, they're very insecure. And so they look for models. They try to match, they try to copy their models and they try to get the important people to love them. And it becomes just like actors and actresses. It becomes this kind of desperate need for, I have an internal hole and I need to fill it. It doesn't sound like that's quite where your head was, but at any time in your artistic trajectory, did you feel like art was the, I want someone to tell me this is good and no one will and it hurts. Oh, sure, sure, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's happened. And you just, you think, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm just gonna go do something else. And yeah, I mean, right. I've taken breaks from art for, gosh, years at a time and then you know remembered oh why 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 did i stop i think at one point i even had a partner which is really kind of a sad thing is i had a partner that didn't appreciate my art um she was an artist too and she she and i enjoyed doing some of the same stuff but she said no this is my thing you can't do it you go find your own niche and so i'm like well but i like photography and I like ceramics. And so, um, did, you know, to have did your, she, did she say that passively or did you actively have conversations where she said, look, we can't both be art people because this is my thing. Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty much quoting, <laughs> it was quoting just that. explicit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I, you know, I was, I was demoted to the, um, equipment handler when when she was doing photography i was not okay. allowed a camera i was uh, i was okay. given the bags to carry and you know i try to make the best of things i said you know i'm going to see some neat stuff today and so i would see some pretty stuff yeah um i was able to go places that maybe i wouldn't have gone had it just been me i don't know um, so I tried to make the best of it until finally I was having beer with a friend and a friend was, she said, you know, is this, is this really what you want? And I said, no, I don't think it is. And so <laughs> then we had to sit down and, and we broke <laughs> up, but you know, it's just, it was, so that was, that was pretty painful. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm being lighter than it, than I was at the yeah. time. It was pretty darn painful. What do you hope, is there, do you run with uh, goals? Do you have goals for, I want to do this with my art, I want to make that kind of art, or is, does this kind of, for, first of all, in your life, do you generally run with big goals? I want to be this kind of job in theater, I want to have this kind of job out there, I want to make this much money, I want to live in this kind of place, I want these kind of pets, Do you? and, and does that happen to your art? Are you ever really goal-driven. I need X amount of pieces. I need to learn how to do this. No, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with what's happening. Um, I mean, I always want to improve always in, in Spanish, in art, in life, in everything, in my, you know, human communications, you know, everything I want to improve. Um, but I don't need to make a, a ton of money with my art. I, I would say the biggest goal is that I continue making art, that I continue improving, that I find the people that like my art, that I stay true to myself and, and keep making the art that I want to make. Um, so I think those are, those are the goals. So I, I have one more question, but the best the best place for people to find stuff is probably Odd Job Girl, and that's G R R L dot com. Correct. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, is that just a nod? I liked, I, I never, Riot Girl with the multiple R's. I always thought it was like kind of a not quite punk. And then it kind of, kind of commercialized. So when I saw Odd Job Girl, I'm like, oh, I could way be more into Odd Job Girl with two R's than the Riot Girl thing. Well, that was cool. Thanks. Yeah, I just, I wanted it to be a little, yeah, a little edgy, a little punk. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I have the feeling some of the people who were walking through Union Station that day, and maybe especially, not all of them, some of the people make art and they saw your art and loved it. And some people um, don't ever, don't make art at all and they don't want to, and they saw your art and loved it. Uh, Julia Cameron, she um, in the Artist Way stuff, she always pitches to people that you probably, if you're reading this book, you're probably a frustrated artist and you're going out into the world and giving money and supporting artists, which is wonderful, but you're doing it because deep down you want to make something too. Do you suspect that of some of the people who look at your stuff? Do you ever seem like, do they seem like they're edging closer to maybe making something? Like they talk to you enough at a moment. You're like, oh, I think you kind of want to make art. And then do you try to push those? Do you push those people into it? Or what are those conversations like? Yeah, it can be. It can be a little awkward at times, but it can also be really cool. It kind of depends. But um, yeah, I think some people some people are, are wanting ideas and, you know, some people can say, oh, I can, you know, glue a piece of mud onto a, you know, vase and call it art. But I think, um, and that's okay if they don't like it, but some people will pick my brain about stuff. And again, you know, I'm not going to give away the recipe to the secret sauce, yeah. but I enjoy helping that creative process along, you know, to see somebody that's starting out, that's kind of timid, that, that isn't sure of themselves. It's like, you know, it's fun to talk to somebody because I was that kid or that young artist, you know, they could be older than I am, but they can, they're still a young artist. Um, it's kind of fun to see that grow, that, that spark grow in somebody. And so if I can be one of those steps for somebody to be a better artist, then that's, that's fun for me. Um, you know, as long as it's, it's reciprocal, you know, as long as they're, they're not too pushy, you know, as long as we're, we're feeding off of each other. I think that that's, that's really fun. So it sounds like you do have people who come up at a show and they are, as you said, that recipe thing, they're hungrily trying to figure out how did you make this so I can go home and make exactly something like this. And they know enough to like, that's what they're looking for. They're a chef and they want to know exactly how you made the souffle so they can go home and start trying to make this kind of souffle. Yeah. And that's where I, I, I tend to be pretty vague. You know, there was, there was somebody that wanted to know how I, uh, my light source, you know, it's like, I light, I light some of my stuff with either battery pack lights or electricity. It just kind of depends. And she was wondering how I make my own diodes. And, you know, she was, she was really wanting to know all the different things. And, and so, you know, I was, I was kind of vague with her because I thought, you know, I've done my research. Now you have to go do your research. And so <laughs> I just told her, I said, you know, I found what works for me, you know, not, not everything works for everybody. And, and we, we had a good, conversation but i still wasn't going to give up um everything because it's like it's part of me you know i didn't want to i didn't want to give away the the recipe to the secret sauce what do you do and do they ever does someone actually more um openly say 
you know, I used to make art, not this, but like I used to draw, I used to paint, I used to knit and I don't do it anymore. Do you ever have conversations? Someone says, you know what, if I wanted to start doing something like this, is there a place you, is there a place you point them other than to say, oh, you should just go home and just start making stuff. Is there a thing you'd ever like your first step to people who they're not, they don't do art now, but they used to like it. And how come they don't, what should they do? Yeah. I mean, I, I, encourage them to, to start making art again if it's something they want to do. And if they want to get their art out there, yeah, I'll point them in different directions of the fringe, um, these okay. different galleries. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't find it as a competition in that in that respect. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help people because other people have helped me. There were other artists that have said, well, have you checked into this gallery or this event? And so, um, yeah, there's plenty, there's plenty to go around. I mean, the only thing I won't compromise is, is, you know, telling somebody how, how I made something, um, specifically, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk about little techniques, but not specifics, you know. Is there a point, do you remember a time when you, it started feeling like, oh, either in technical where somebody was somebody who competes with you out in the market in some way wants to learn every way about how you built that. And then the part, where is the part, where's kind of the line where it feels a little icky. You're like, I don't just want to tell you, you're just trying to, you're, you're just trying to pull information out of me. This is no longer like a real conversation. Right. I mean, again, you know, I think, well, I've done, I've done the hard part. I'm not going to give you the, the map. So, um, yeah, I, I tend to, I'll give a little bit because it's, it's nice to be able to give a little bit because maybe someday in the future, I'll need something, some information that they have. And so yeah. we'll remember, Hey, you helped me out. I'll help you out. But yeah, it, I don't want to give the specifics and I don't think anybody would, um, you know, it's just, it's just, part of it you got to learn learn how to do it yourself and and as my dad says sometimes you have to fall down and get your nose bloodied to to learn something but um yeah i'll, I'll give people some information but but not a whole lot because yeah especially in technical theater i mean you understand how we want it done this way at this time and it has to make no noise. Okay, well, we need this equipment, but we have to muffle it and we have to, you know, well, how did you get to that point? And so if we had to build it, build it from scratch, we just can't give that information to, to other people without something back, you know, some something in return. Do you ever, um, your work, again, people not at your company or not at your playhouse, people, um, where you do, I mean, do you Bart? We're like, you're close. I like, I think we can trade like I, whatever it's needed. Like I have something you don't know how to do. You have something I don't know how to do. Is there ever like a strict, like handshake agreement? Do you guys, you ever swap information that way? Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because you find people that you can trust that aren't going to take it further than they need to take it. Right. And, um, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a nice reciprocal um, relationship, um, of trading information, sharing information for sure. 